The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome to another week of Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. All this week, Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates will be entertaining questions and giving answers. And the question for today has to do with when Jesus says to cut off anything that causes someone to sin. He was seemingly talking about what should be done about a part of our body that seems to lead us into temptation or that might keep someone from believing for eternal salvation. If your hand offends you, cut it off, this type of thing. What should a person do? That answer and that discussion will be coming right up here on Grace in Focus right after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org. You are invited to go there for some really great resources having to do with our free grace agenda. You will find books, articles, blogs, and our magazine with the same name as this radio program, Grace in Focus. Also, you will find information about our upcoming national conference, 2023, May the 22nd through the 25th. There will be lots of great teaching about free grace issues. In fact, our theme this year is Vital Free Grace Issues. Also, lots of time for fellowship, resting, recreation, and it's going to be held at Camp Copus in Denton, Texas. That's right near our headquarters. So please go to our website and get registered for this year's Grace Evangelical Society National Conference, faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. Now, as promised, here is our question and discussion for today, Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Ken has a question from a couple, I believe. Yes, Chris and Katie have a question. And it's a tough question. It is a tough one. Bob and I were... And we, we talked about it. It sounds like we don't agree on the answer, so this is exciting. You cannot see us, but we each have boxing gloves put on. And, yeah, and, and bo- I've got a slight black eye that uh, Ken <laughs> reached across the desk and uh, kind of backhanded me. And I questioned Bob's salvation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He no, didn't. it's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. Okay. Chris and Katie have a question about... Matthew 18, verses 8 and 9. Let me read the question first, and then we'll read the verses. When Jesus says to cut off anything that makes you sin, does he mean be circumcised from your sinful flesh, which is done by him when we believe? Now let me read the verses. Jesus says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. So what's going on here? First of all, Bob and I talked about different ways to see these verses. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Origen that took these literally? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Origen, I believe he castrated castrated himself. himself. Yeah. So he took it very literally. And actually, the Lord didn't say anything about castration here. But (laughs) But I guess Origen probably looked at lust. And so he took this literally and he goes, well, maybe he didn't want to pluck his eye out, but he castrated himself. Right. And I've heard stories, and obviously they're very rare, of people, I remember years ago hearing about a young man who literally plucked his eye out because yeah. he was 
looking at women in lust or, or something like that. And we all agree, and I think Chris and Katie would agree, that's not what the Lord is speaking about here literally. No, no. In fact, a lot of commentators say you've got the hand, the foot, the eye. And the Lord chose those because the hand represents what we do, the feet represents where we go, and the eye represents what we focus on, where our attention is. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, it talks about if your eye is single, but what do you focus on? Right, so- and the big question here comes down to, notice both in verse 8 and verse 9, it talks about entering into life, and in verses 8 and 9, the opposite is being cast into everlasting fire in verse 8 or being cast into hellfire. Now, hellfire might be a bad translation because it's Gehenna. Right. So it's the fire of Gehenna. The fire of Gehenna could refer to temporal judgment. And I suppose that the everlasting fire in verse 8 could refer to temporal judgment because you could argue it's not that you're going to be tormented forever. It's just you're thrown into this fire, which is a consuming fire. But I would take it that entering into life probably refers to entering into everlasting life, being born again, and that the everlasting fire and the Gehenna fire probably refers to eternal condemnation. But I think you said you take the view that this would be entering into fullness of life or into the the life that God wants for us. Yeah, I think Bob's view is probably more common among free grace people. I think it was Dan Wallace at DTS. If I remember correctly, and I've heard this from other people, what they're taking this to mean is, and and this is not one of Bob's or my opinion, is this is another option uh, and that you could take even as a free grace person, that what it's saying is, if you're trying to earn your way into heaven, and here it's he's, he has the Pharisees in mind, you've got to keep the law, you've got to do this. Okay, if you're going to go by that standard, you got to keep it perfectly. So if your hand causes you to sin, you better cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, if we're going to play that game, this view that what right. Jesus is saying is, okay, if you're, you got to be perfect, so cut your foot off, cut your hand off. That's another option that neither one of us... Well, that's similar to my mind. Right, similar, right. My view would be if there's somewhere you're going that's hindering you from faith in Christ, from abandon that. And if there's something you're doing that's keeping you from faith, let's say, for example, you're high all the time, so you can't think straight, then abandon that which you're doing so you might enter into life, so that you might pray about this and think about it. You know, the same thing with your eye gate. If you're focusing on things which are keeping you from faith, which could even be religious things, right? If you're in a cult or something, or in a work salvation church, then abandon what you're looking at and instead turn to the Lord, pray about it, and read the Gospel of John and that sort of thing. Basically, anything that's keeping you from faith. Like, for example, well, for GES, I went to Nepal three or four times to right. teach, and it's a Hindu country. Your view would then would be like if you're living in a Hindu country with that culture, your family, and you're hearing about this and you're seeking God, but you're like, no, I'm I'm not willing to give up all my cultural identity, my family or anything, even to consider that other stuff. Your view would be then you need to put that aside if that's keeping you from, for lack of a better word, seeking the truth. Yeah. If this is talking about entering into everlasting life... 
then we know the only way is by faith in Christ. John 3.16, John 5.24, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Revelation 22.17, or Acts 16.30 and 31. So we know it's only faith in Christ. So if this is talking about entering into everlasting life, it's saying abandon anything that keeps you from faith in Christ. Right. But the other option would be that this is physical life. And how would you then take the everlasting fire? Well, first off, to me, the biggest problem with taking that this is talking about everlasting life is who Jesus is speaking to. It says that he's speaking in verse 1 to the disciples. Yeah. And the issue here is who is going to be greatest in the kingdom. In other words, he's talking to people who are already believers, and the issue is, in verse 1, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So to me, the biggest problem with taking this talking about eternal life is that. Who's he talking to, and what is he talking about? Okay, and I get that. And notice how verse 5 ends. Whoever receives one of these little ones like this in my name receives me. Then verse 6, the question is, Does the subject shift somewhat in verse 6? Because then he says, whoever causes one of these little ones, which I assume are the same little ones from verse 5, who believe in me. So they're believers. Right. They're born again. It'd be better if you cause them to sin for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So he's saying, look, this is going to be, there's going to be some bad things. Now, there's lots of bad things other than, eternal condemnation, right? I mean, immediate death in the sea is not as bad as things can get. You can go through years of pain and suffering in this life, right? Right. So I can get that, but I wonder if verse 6 is a shift, especially when it goes on to woe to the world because of offenses, if your hand or foot, that is that the same people from 1 to 5, or is this a different group of people? If it is the same people of one to five, and we're talking about kingdom greatness, then we're talking about entering into kingdom greatness, right? When right. entering into life. But then how do you understand the everlasting fire? Well, that's a good question. First of all, the Gehenna. Gehenna, as you know, there's all kinds of Your discussions about what is garbage this. Garbage dump outside uh, Jerusalem. Garbage dump, and people say, well, that wasn't in the 1200, but Gehenna was a valley outside of Jerusalem where child sacrifices were taking place. It may have been a garbage dump, even in the Old Testament. With continual burning. Right. And it may have, well, it was a place that was cursed under Josiah because of the sacrifices that went on. So the question is, what did the hearers of Jesus or the disciples think when they heard Gehenna? Right. Would they have thought of eternal hell? The bottom line is Gehenna here could have been a phrase of God's punishment. Right. God's discipline. Severe. Here and now. Yeah, just severe. Which would have consequences at the Bema. Absolutely. You'd miss out on ruling and stuff, but okay. And I'm just saying that's a possibility here, that he's talking, don't offend young believers. If I'm causing others to stumble, it would be better for me to cut my hand off. And he's talking in very hyperbolic language. Right. You know, he's not literally saying, cut your hand off. Stop it. Stop it. So, yeah, and the hardest part, of course, is the everlasting fire. What does that mean? If Gehenna is not hell, then we can say, okay, well, then maybe we should understand everlasting fire. Maybe it comes from an eternal God, his discipline. And your view wouldn't deny the fact that the lake of fire is going to involve eternal torment or everlasting fire. It's just saying it could be used differently here. Right. And I don't hold that view, but I think that's a possibility, along with the one you mentioned that Wallace and some others hold, which I think is pretty similar to my view. But we do know he's not saying cut off your hand in order to make it into heaven. He's not talking literally. 
whatever he's talking about, he's not denying justification by faith. Absolutely. Right. Well, thanks so much, and keep Keep grace grace in focus. Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans, entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath, is available right now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through February 28, 2023, when you use the code word ROMANS. That's faithalone.org. Did you miss an episode of Grace in Focus that you really wanted to hear? Just come to faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We have all our past episodes right there on the site. In addition, we have all kinds of free resources available for you. It's all designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of Scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On this program, we keep our requests for financial partners to a minimum. But if you are interested in becoming a financial partner with Grace and Focus, you can find out how to do that at faithalone.org. Our team is really great about answering questions, comments, and feedback. If you've got some, we hope to hear from you. Let me give you our email address so you can do just that. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And on the next Grace in Focus, where in Scripture might it indicate that the rapture occurs a month or two before the tribulation period begins? Join us next time for Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.